Shall we go? Father God, I just pray that you help me this morning. Give me wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name and let it be clear that uh, people actually get something out of it. Amen. Amen. There we go. So that's all I can say about that one. Um, I I love the topic we're in. Faith is the gap. Who loves that? Faith is the gap. Sometimes all we've got is our faith. Uh, We have the promise. Uh, We see where we want to go, but it's like, come on. Whose life's like that? It's like, there's the promise. I know what God said, but why is it over there? Why am I not there right now? Anyone else like that? It's like we live in an instant world. You know, you want to stick it in the microwave, bang, there it is. Thank you, God, for the promise. Anyone else like that? Come on, it's like you want to pray. And, and, and I've worked this out young, well, really early in my marriage, is that I'll pray for something and it never happens. Who's like that? Well, yes, it does happen eventually. But I've realized this. If I get my wife to pray for it, it's going to happen quicker. <laughs> so I think that's why some of us guys really need to get married. If you're not married, get married just for that for that instant. That will help. Uh, but I love this standing in the gap. And um, today I really want to talk about just stand. Um, In Ephesians, it says, after you've done all, what's it say? Stand. That doesn't make sense. After you've done everything, after you've put on the armour of God, it says, just stand. And and so I find this is that, well then, okay, if I've just got to stand, well then how am I supposed to stand? Do you realise that? There is a position in how we should stand. You know, there comes a time in your life when you're going to have to make a decision to just stand. You know, you've got to stand on your morals, you've got to stand on your belief, you've got to stand on the promise that God said that you would be healed, you've got to stand on the promise that breakthrough is coming. Sometimes you've just got to stand. But for some of us, we we don't like standing, we like doing it in our own strength. It's like at home, Caroline is like, hey, I want this done, yeah, I'm going to do it. No, we'll get someone in to do it. No, no, I can do it. I'm the man. You married the man. Let me show you how it's done. You know, I, I, and I don't know why is that I've done it almost, but she still keeps reminding me three years later, that's still not done properly. But sometimes it's like we've got to try and do it in our own strength. We're, we're like we're trying to do these things and we're doing everything right, but it's not quite happening. Anyone else in that boat? It's like God said this and we're believing and we're like, we're doing it and we're putting all the principles in play. You know, maybe you're in a business and you're like, you're following A, B. This is what they said in college. This is what you're supposed to do. You've done the business degree and it's all supposed to just cruise from here. Easy sailing. But then you get out in the real world and it's like, God, why isn't it happening? We're doing it in our own strength. Maybe it's in your marriage. Sometimes we try to do it in our own strength. But as followers of Christ, you realize that we have a supernatural edge. We have a supernatural edge. And so there comes a time where as Christians, we've got to realize is that maybe the reason we're not getting the breakthrough is because we're doing everything natural and we just haven't handed it over to God yet. We just haven't come to that place and said, you know what, by your power and your might, right now I stand upon your word and I give it to you. I'll be honest, sometimes that's the last thing I think of doing. But then I've got to realize, I've got to come back and go, you know what, if I really believe, this should be the first thing. 
Before I actually make that decision about where I'm going to go in my business, before I make that decision on, on what I'm going to do with my kids, sometimes I just need to sit and go, God, right now, I need your supernatural wisdom first so that I'll make the right decision, so that I'll stand on the right principles. Now, Ephesians 6, verse 10, chapter, th- uh, chapter 6, verse 10 to 13, says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wills of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and he- in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Winston Churchill made this statement. Well, some say he didn't, but I like to say he did. He said this, you have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. My question today is, do you have an enemy? Some of you are like, no, no, everyone's my friend. I just hate everyone equally. No, it shouldn't be like that. You're a Christian. It's love everyone equally. But but for some of us, we're we're there and we're we're like, you know, we come into this place and it's like, well, no, I I don't have any enemies. Well, let me tell you, if you're a follower of Christ, you have an enemy straight away. His name is, we're in a church, Satan. Some churches don't like to say that, but it's Satan. It's the devil. It says it in the word of God, but sometimes we just like to gloss over those things is that right now he is out to kill and destroy anything that you put your hand to. But, oh, oh no, not me. I'm not a threat. Everyone's a threat. Every Christian is a threat to him. He hates it. He hates it that much that he's trying to annihilate a generation before they're even born. And as Christians, we have an enemy. We have someone that doesn't want us to rise, doesn't want us to stand doesn't want us to declare the word of God over our family, over our lives, over our community. And and so what he is, he's trying to shut us down. But sometimes we need to come to a place where we've got to realize that sometimes we might be opposing things in the natural, but sometimes we might be opposing things in the supernatural. You see, you might be trying to get breakthrough in something, and naturally you've tried everything, but spiritually there is something standing against you. It's called... The devil. But Jesus, he says, but Paul writes here and he says, God said, after you've done everything else, just stand. But before you do everything else, make sure you've actually put on the armor of God. Do you realize that there are a lot of Christians, they're trying to stand, but they actually are standing in the wrong position. They're they're standing in the wrong way because they haven't actually fitted themselves out with the armor of God. If you're going to stand and see victory, you need to be fitted with the armor of God. You know, when you stand in the right posture, when you stand with the right armor, then what takes place? You will find that battles are won when you stand. You'll find that victories are made when you stand. You will find that the future will be determined because you stood. If you read through the Bible, there are a lot of people that stood in the gap for God's people, that they stood in the gap between heaven and earth. 
David went to the battlefield with a sling and five stones. He said, God, have what's in my hand. He took out Goliath. He stood between heaven and earth. Moses went to Pharaoh, let my people go. He stood in the gap. In the New Testament, Jesus came to earth. He stood in the gap between heaven and earth so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul stood in the gap, traveled evangelizing, sharing the gospel, starting churches. Peter died on a cross, upside down. I'm not worthy to die the same as my Savior. They stood in the gap. They stood in the gap. And as followers of Christ, we are always going to have a supernatural element coming against us. But how do we stand? We stand with the armour of God. We stand with the armour of God. And sometimes as Christians, we can just gloss over these things. We can gloss over, you know, yeah, we're supposed to stand, we're supposed to believe, but how are we supposed to? With the armour of God. Ephesians 6, 14 to 15 starts talking about the armour of God. It says, stand therefore, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shored your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Right there it tells us three things. It says, hey, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. And prepare the gospel of peace. I remember a number of years ago when I was a young kid, uh, in my family there were four kids two parents, that's how it works. And then in this other friends of ours, they had another four kids and two parents. And they ended up getting a, uh, a boat and we came up to Brisbane for a holiday and they had a 24-foot boat and they said, hey, let's go out, let's take all 12 and let's enjoy the day out in Moreton Bay. You know, I don't know, but all of us, all us kids were under 10 years of old. I don't know whether parents would have enjoyed that moment. So there's 12 of us on this boat where we're out in the bay. And I remember this moment coming to play is that, you know, one of our family friends, he was, he was a young guy. He was uh, probably a little younger than me. I think he was about probably about five or six. And I remember this moment where, uh, you know, that moment where you do something wrong and, and your parents see it or hear it and, and, and you know that they know about it. And it's like they raise their voice or they just look at you some way and it's like, I know I'm in trouble. Anyone remember those moments? Like I have a young kid and he, he, we have those moments. I'll raise my voice and he will run. I'm like, why are you running? Eventually you'll have to come home. But no, but, those things, but I remember this moment, this young kid, and, and he did something. He spoke back to his dad and his dad was like, come here. And you know, on a... On a boat in the middle of Morton Bay, you've got nowhere to run. <laughs> and I, I remember the dad, he, he ended up disciplining his young one with his belt. And I remember this moment where he was like, one, two. And, and the young kid, he was like, stop, 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 dad, stop, dad. The devil's out, the devil's out. You know, sometimes <laughs> we just need good truth. But I, I remember that moment so clear in my head. But as Paul says here, he says, hey, put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth means to, you know, encircle yourself. 
You know, gird yourself with the belt of truth. What I find with the belt of truth is that as a soldier, it's talking about armor. You put on the belt. What does the belt hold? The belt holds the sword of the Spirit. It links the breastplate of righteousness. You know, for some of us, we need to actually gird ourselves with the truth. The truth of the Word of God. We need to gird ourselves with Jesus. That should be the first thing that we put on. Is put on Jesus. Come to this place and go, okay, right now I'm going to gird myself. You know, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth is what holds everything else together. It holds the breastplate in position. The truth. The belt of truth. It links truth and the Word of God. You know, Truth guards against lies and deception. But then also you connect it to the breastplate of righteousness. It says, put on a breastplate. The breastplate is what? It's to protect our vital organs. You have the truth, the breastplate. The breastplate would go over so to protect what? Your heart. If you read Proverbs 4.23, it says this, guard your heart with all diligence, for it flows the springs of life. What I find is that when we put on his righteousness is that we can't earn righteousness. No one in this building can earn righteousness. It is freely given. It is given by our Savior. So as we take hold of the truth of God, we we put it on. We put on his righteousness. We, We connect it together so it holds itself in place. For some of us, you know, some of us actually just need to put the belt of truth on. It would help keep some of our pants up in the church today. And so we need to put these things in place. Is that the breastplate of righteousness has on it a stamp. If you look through some of the old movies, you would see some of those breastplates, they would have some sort of symbol. Our breastplate is stamped, Christ's redeemed. In other words, what it's saying is declaring to the world that, you know, Christ has my heart. Christ has my heart. And so when you come to that position and you stand, you stand with the word of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and then shroud your feet with the gospel of peace. In other words, make sure you stand upon, you are grounded in the word of God, in the gospel of peace, so that you will know, so that when you stand, you will know how to respond. You know, that we would have a firm understanding in knowing the word, his promises, and who he is. Think about it. When you stand, if you stand in a certain position, you're not easily knocked over. So if you're standing on the word of God and something comes against you, you can respond with the right response. Say, for instance, the devil comes and he's attacking you, his attack comes, and the thought comes that, you know, if God really loved you, he wouldn't have let this happen to you. You know those things in life that it's like those, they happen and you're like, God, where are you? And those thoughts start to come. And the devil says, you know, if you just, if he loved you, he would never let this happen to you in the first place. And they start to feed. But if we're grounded in the word of God when those things come, we can start to respond with the word of God. 
we can take out the scriptures like Romans 8 verse 28 and it says all things work together for the good of them who love him. So this situation, no, it probably shouldn't have happened. These things come against you, but all of a sudden you realize, no, there is a bigger purpose. That it will come together and I will see my miracle and devil, I'm going to let you know right now what is going to take place. All those thoughts that come is that when the devil starts to remind you, as you know, you're not good enough. You know, you remember what you did in your past. How could he ever love you? Well, then at that moment, because we're grounded and worded, and worded in his word, we're there and we know what to say, we can respond with this. We can respond and say, devil, you know what? I just want to remind you of your future. This is what the word says. So it comes down to how we start to armour ourselves in the day that we stand. Ephesians 6, 16 to 17 goes on and says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. God. We put on the breastplate, we do up our shoelaces, we put on the belt, and we don't stop there. I love how it says right here, it says, hey, above all, take up the shield of faith. Uh, I find it funny that it says, above all, take up the shield of faith. I, I, as I read through this, I, I, I picture Paul thinking of a Roman soldier. And a Roman soldier in the day would be decked out, but their shield was like the size of a door. And so a shield can either be used for a defense or for attack. But with a shield, what what you would find is that as an army, they would stand together and they would make an impenetrable wall. And so this wall would line up against the enemy and the enemy would come at the wall. And because everyone stood together... The enemy had no chance. And so all of a sudden the enemy would come, but then all of a sudden they would take one step forward. In their stand they would take a step and they would take ground. But I love this how it says, above all else, take the shield of faith. Why would he say above all else? I believe this is because the shield is this. It's to protect the armour. It's the protection that protects the armour, but also it's the only thing that protects others as well. It's the only thing that protects others as well. Think about it. Sunday morning we come in and we put our prayer requests here. We write our prayer requests out and we come and Kate came up and we started to pray for them. We're believing. Right there, everyone is lifting their faith. Everyone is covering each other with faith, declaring miracles to take place. Do you realise, who who loves the movie 300? I actually like that movie. Don't tell my wife. She actually wouldn't let me watch it for like three years and then finally I was on a plane somewhere and I'm like, oh, 300, woo. Um, And I heard so much about it and everyone's quoting it and whatnot. And and I'm like, okay. But but as as you look at it, the Spartans, you know, it it was a warrior society from Greece back in ancient times. And they were feared and most revered for their strength, their courage, and endurance. But, you know, 
as a Spartan, if you lost your shield in battle, it was the biggest shame. If you lost your shield in battle, it means that when you came back from that battle, if you survived, you lost all citizenship. You could lose your helmet, you could lose your shield, uh, your sword, you could lose your breastplate, and it wouldn't matter. It was okay, because that was about you. Your shield was about everyone else. Because if you lost your shield, then you couldn't protect those around you as well when they're advancing. And and so I, I believe this with us is that we are called, above all else, is to take up the shield of faith. You know, unfortunately today, so many Christians leave the shield of faith on the couch. It's like, yeah, on Sunday we bring the shield of faith. Yeah, we're going to believe, we're going to pray for everyone. But then they go home and put on a bit of Netflix and the shield just goes there. Ah. And then next Sunday, oh, better get this out. Hey, we're believing with you today. Let's go. And then... The shield of faith isn't necessarily just for church. It's for out there. It's when you walk down the street and your fellow believer needs prayer. Needs you to stand in the gap. Needs you to be there in that moment of time. You know, the shield of faith, it quenches the darts. And when the darts of life come at you on a regular basis, that you stand strong and don't let go. That's what the shield of faith is for. Hebrews 6, uh, 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, when doubt comes at you, and that question arises, you know, can I really trust God? With faith in your hand, you know what the response will be. I can trust Him. He is true and promises He can do those things or when discouragement comes, you know, that your life won't change. It's like, oh, this is where I'm at. It's not, there's no change when disappointment, life didn't turn out the way that you wanted. This isn't what I wanted, but with faith in your hand, you can declare, you can know. Or when that dark comes of difficulty, why is my marriage so hard? Why is it so hard in my job? When those things come against you, you can just stand in faith. You can declare those darts. It's it's like water off a duck's back. They're fired at you, but they don't penetrate you. It's because you know who you are. It's that you have a faith in knowing what God has called you to do. When depression comes and, and you throw your hands up and it's like, is it worth it? You stand with faith and it's like, it's worth it. It's worth it. These are the times that we need to hold our shield of faith and stand strong. A shield of faith or a shield is only as good as it is handled. So too is faith. So too is faith. A well-used shield is a well-lived life. A well-lived life. I want to know that I've lived life and lived it Well, the helmet of salvation, putting on the mind of Christ, taking every captive, every thought captive. Our salvation, when we put it on, we put on He alone. He alone is worthy. He is my Savior. The helmet of salvation. 
You know, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says, Casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of Christ, when we put on the helmet of salvation, we come to a place where we go, Christ, it's you and you alone. You and you alone. You know, salvation isn't a once-off thing of the past. It's not just once saved. or it's, it's a constant coming back and saying, God, right now, I know that I'm saved, but I'm living for you. He said, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to declare who you are. Salvation is a, an ongoing eternal state. He said, we will go into eternity. As we put on salvation, we keep an eternal perspective on things. I believe this, as we should live our life like this. If it, if it doesn't have a, an eternal significance, it's not that important. If it doesn't have an eternal significance, then it's not that important. Honestly, is that how you live your life? Or do you live it in the temporal world? That yeah, if I feel good, then it's great. But really just changing the way that you look at things. As you put on the helmet of salvation, what it, what it says is right now, God, I want to live for eternity. I want to see heaven come to earth. I want to make a significant impact on lives for all eternity. And, and, and if it doesn't have a significant impact for eternity, well then, why am I even doing it? Yeah. And some of you are probably asking, well then, what's, a, what's an impact? How can I make a significant impact? Like, really? Well, let me tell you this. Put it this way, if, if you're parents and you have a family, a significant impact is to raise those young ones in the ways of God. Is it to bring them to an understanding of who Christ is? Or if you're a grandparent, a significant impact is maybe it's just to pray for your grandkids, pray for your kids. But again, at the same time, reinforcing a foundation, the word of truth, into those young ones. Like, it's our honour to do those things. I, I class it as an honour, a privilege, that God would entrust young lives to us to be able to develop and hone and release into His kingdom. That's a significant impact. I remember my grandma, she would always pray for me. Man, I needed prayer. She would say, Sam, if I got home after, I used to live with her, if I got home after 10 o'clock, I was grounded and I was 21. <laughs> like, honestly, if it was five past 10, who have you been out with? Who are those girls you've been out with? I wasn't out with any girls, I just got home late. But she was always, I'm praying for you. And I don't know what it is, but then I, I move back home. I, I come to move back home. I lived in Melbourne for a while. I come to move back home with my parents, and I'm like, I think probably about 22, 23 then. And at Carindale, we've got a, had a church of probably around 2,000 people, and I had all these grannies coming up to me. <laughs> we were praying for you. I didn't need that much prayer. <laughs> but they had a significant impact. I pray that you have a significant impact. 
that the significant impact would last for eternity on people's lives and those around you? Is it anything that you do in your workplace will have an eternal impact? That will be significant in those things? You know, bricks and mortar, they will eventually fall away. They'll decay. They'll fall down. But the deposit that we put in people will last for eternity. Will last beyond this physical, temporal world. And I pray that when we put the helmet of salvation on, that we can look from eternal perspective. And the last one is, is that we take up the sword of the Spirit. We take up the sword of the Spirit, just like the shield of faith, is that a lot of people leave the shield of faith on the couch, but they leave the sword of the Spirit, the two-edged sword. Is that for some of us, we actually just need to pick up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and start to declare it over our family, start to declare it over our young ones. Start to declare it over our society, over our nation, over our politicians, over all those that we come in contact with, that God, that you will move, that by your spirit, that you will come and move upon those individuals. Maybe we need to blow the cobwebs off and the dust and start to open it up and say, God, here I am. Here I am, and as we stand, as we've done all else, that we stand. And as the shield, the shield, you can advance ground with. Your feet you can move forward with. The sword is the same. It's for attacking, for its ongoing, but also too it's for a defense. But as we fight and as we go forward in what God has for our lives, let's stand and declare who he is. Napoleon made this statement about the Bible. He said, The Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with the power that conquers all that oppose it. It conquers all that opposes it. I love hearing the testimonies of the Gideons. And we've got uh, Neville and Peter. They run the chapter of the Gideons in uh, Redcliffe area. But I, I love hearing the testimonies come forth of people finding the sword, finding the Bible beside their bed. In time of need, they, they might end up in, in a place of desperation. Maybe it's a family breakdown, whatever it has been, but they end up in a hotel room. All of a sudden, they're, they're sitting on the bed and they're like, God, I need you right now. I need something to change in my life. There have been times where reports, where some of them have been thinking about doing their own life in. I remember a testimony of the one up at Nambour, she booked herself in just to a room to end her life. As she sat on the bed, she opened it and there was the Bible. She picked it up and all of a sudden just started weeping. And right there, her testimony is, is, is that as I picked that up, it changed and transformed my life. And the only reason I'm here today is because of the Word. That's the power of the Word of God. If you're desperate and you're seeking and you open it, He will speak. So how much more do we need to pick up, to take hold of the armour of God? Today, right now, you might 
have something going on in your world and you've tried everything. You've come to a place where you're exhausted mentally, physically. It's like, God, I've done everything possible, naturally possible. But maybe it's time for you just to come back to God and say, God, right now I need your supernatural help. Well, God, right now I need to put on the armor of God. Why? Because I just need you to come through. Because the battle that we fight is not just in the, it's in the spiritual. And if we can win it in the spiritually, naturally, it'll come into play, the things and promises of God. Sometimes we've just got to stop being so natural and become a little bit spiritual in order to see the natural come around. If you want to see breakthrough in your life, maybe it's time to stand and stand with the full armor of God. Maybe it's time to just put on the helmet of salvation. Buckle up. Gird yourself with truth. Clip down the breastplate of righteousness that declares to all the world that, you know, Christ has redeemed me. He is my saviour. I have been ransomed. I have been set free. I have been delivered. And if you come at me, you know what? You've got the armies of heaven. If you come at me, the armies of heaven are going to come at you. Satan, you've had your day over my family. Satan, you've had your day over my community. You've had your day over my thought life. Right now, my my peace is never going to be robbed ever again. Why? Because I stand on his promises and upon his word. And as I stand, (laughs) I will be victorious. As you stand, the battle will be won. As you stand, Victory will come as you stand, as you stand. The future will be determined. As we stand as a church, the future will be determined of those around us, our family, our community. But if we don't stand, what future is there? Father God, I thank you that We have an amazing church, a faith-filled church. Lord, that loves you, that lives for you. And Lord God, today I pray that each and every one of us will stand. And as we stand, Father, we will stand armed, ready for battle. Not in the natural, but in the spiritual, Father God. Right now that your promises are true, that you are faithful, and that you will be there for us, Father. And as we've done everything, as we declare, as we pray, as we believe, Father, in the spiritual right now, Lord, we stand upon your word and we will see victory come today, Father. That we will hold up the shield of faith. That we will cover those around us today, Father. We just thank you that you are faithful. Pour out your spirit over each and every one of us. Lord God, entwine us. We just thank you today. Just heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask a question. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And I, I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray that you would have a relationship 
with God. And if you want to be included in this prayer, I would love for you just to raise your hand. If right now you're feeling a prompting in your spirit, I want to tell you, He loves you. I want to tell you, He has the best for you. I want to tell you that He wants to come and meet with you. But first, it requires a response from you. It requires a response from us. If you want to be included in that prayer, I'd love for you just to raise your hand right now while no one else is looking. Just as I look across so I know who I'm praying with right now. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. Does anyone else want to join this brave lady? As I look across. Father God, you see our responses. You see our hearts. And Father, today, for those that are acknowledging you, Father, I pray that you would come and move upon their lives, that you would intertwine them with your spirit. Father, as they put on the helmet of salvation, that right now that you would come and speak to them. That from this moment on, that it's not just a moment decision, but God, it's an eternal decision, eternal relationship with you, connecting with you, learning about your love, your favor, your peace. Today, Father, come and meet with those that have responded. And today, pour out your spirit over all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand.